Good morning, New City Covenant Church. Kara Stromberg here from the Northwest Conference. To quote the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Philippi, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. And that is true, you are in my heart. I've been to your church, I know many of you, and uh, I am with you today through the wonders of technology. Uh, nobody really likes this way of meeting for church, uh, except for some of you introverts, and I will pray for you. Uh, but here we are, and it is good to be with all of you today. The passage I'm preaching on today is um, an oldie but a goodie. It's one that many of us learned as children. And I find that in times of crisis, in times of doubt, when things are hard, and they are hard now, I find that I keep going back to this passage because it is one that grounds me. And I pray that that will be the same for you as well. So New City Covenant, may God bless you. May God bless your families, your community, your church, uh, as we all go forward together in worship and in learning. And may God uh, lead us and guide us each step of the way. Amen. Greetings, I'm Kara Stromberg, the Associate Superintendent of the Northwest Conference, and I'm honored to be here with you today. I want to start by reading a passage of scripture uh, from Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. And I've often joked uh, over my almost 20 years of ministry that this is one of my least favorite passages of scripture. So I'm going to read it, and as I read it, see if you can figure out why I might say that. So these are the words of Jesus. Uh, these come at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is a lengthy sermon that Jesus gives in the book of Matthew. And this is called The Wise and the Foolish Builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I know we're online here, but any guesses why I might say this is my least favorite passage of scripture? I'm not hearing anything, so I'll just tell you. Um, it's because the same weather happens on both houses. Whether you build your house on the rock or the sand, you still get winds and rains and and storms and and weather comes on both houses. Uh, I don't I don't have a problem with the the guy who built his house on the sand because you know, he made a poor choice. And when you have bad weather and your foundation is not strong, it's not surprising that a logical consequence would be that your house follow, falls over. But what I wish it said was that for the person who made a better choice and built their house on a solid foundation, I wish that also meant that they could catch a break. <laughs> and, and instead of um, weather and storms, I wish they could have sunny days and rainbows 
and 70 degrees with a gentle breeze and maybe some ponies grazing in a field and some dolphins maybe jumping in the ocean nearby. And I just wish things could be lovely for the person who chose to build their house on the rock. In other words, why couldn't life be a little more pleasant for the guy who made a good choice? And so that's the heart of why this passage is uncomfortable for me. But it summarizes so well what it means to follow Jesus Christ, that life is going to be difficult. What's your foundation going to be? In fact, Jesus says this himself. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So we know going into this that whatever your foundation, whether it's something strong or something shaky and questionable, that the storms and the, and the rains and the winds and the difficult things of life are going to come. We can't control that stuff. What we can control is what our foundation is going to be. Will you join me in prayer before we dive into this a little further? Loving God, I thank you for how uh, clearly your truth is spoken in your word of scripture. Lord God, may we hear your words and put them into action uh, so that we can have a strong foundation going forward to face the things of life. God, we know that you are trustworthy and we know you are present in this place today. God, go before us and be with us, lead us, guide us. In your name we pray, amen. In this passage, Jesus says two really important things. It's hearing the words of Jesus, and it's also putting them into practice. Uh, I had, I've had the opportunity to travel um, with my husband and, and groups of students overseas. It's part, overseas. It's part of his job as a teacher. And uh, over the years, I've noticed with more sophisticated technology as it gets developed, uh, we've noticed changes in how people travel. And almost entirely now, everyone's got um, earbuds in. So a common scenario would be to, walking th to be walking through a beautiful countryside or a museum or some lovely piece of, of nature uh, or culture in another country. And, and I would want to say something to the person next to me. I'd say, oh, look at that. That's great. And almost inevitably, they will go, huh? Because they're not listening. <laughs> um, I, I'm old school, but I've never understood how you can fully experience something if you've brought your own soundtrack along. And I think it's like this with God's word. Are you willing to hear it? And are you willing to hear all of it? Or do you have your own soundtrack and maybe you're just willing to hear the parts that are convenient for you? So Jesus invites us to hear the words of Jesus and to fully hear them. Uh, second, Jesus invites us in this passage, after we've heard the words of Jesus, to put these into practice. Jesus gives us the two-part instructions of listening and acting. This speaks to our obedience and our willingness to trust God's plan for us. Uh, I've got three kids. Uh, my husband and I have three kids. And so this idea of listening and then putting into practice is a daily occurrence for us as we um, raise children. And over the years, I've struggled with trying to get them to brush their teeth. I don't understand. I, it feels natural to me. You do it in the morning and you do it at night and, and you just brush your teeth. And yet with children, I don't know that they fully understand the importance of this. And so um, a while back when my, when my son was younger, I remember handing him a toothbrush 
And he just deadpan looked at me and said, what's that for? I just, I can't get to the, the listening and, and putting in action. And I don't know why, what it is about oral hygiene that's so challenging or why that is such a trigger point for me, but um, I've tried everything. Notes, charts, reward stickers, nagging, threats. Um, I've even, um, in one of my more creative moments, had one of my children write a research paper on, on oral hygiene. I said, I want information on gingivitis and I want pictures. And um, it still sort of feels like every day when I remind my kids to brush their teeth, my kids hear like the teacher in Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. And then selectively, infrequently, when it's convenient or when they feel like it, might maybe brush their teeth. So let's be honest, that doesn't always go so well in my house. And um, my kids are big enough that they need to just do this and they need to own it. There's a disconnect in my household between hearing and doing, with listening and putting into practice. I think this is our human nature, and this is not unlike our obedience to Christ. We can spend our lives in proximity to other Christians. We can be in the room while the word is being preached. We can listen to lots of services online for the comfort through the comfort of our phones. We can even listen to KTIS all day long. You can own a Bible, and you can even be able to locate your Bible quickly. All of these things are good. But Jesus is inviting us one step further. Jesus is inviting us to listen to his word and then allowing it to transform our lives. Because this is what it means to have your house on the rock. Letting the living, breathing, life-transforming word of God inform and direct your life. Uh, This kind of stuff does not happen overnight. It's a lifetime of little things building up into big things that form habits and practices that over time shape who you are and what you're about. Um, Recently, we spent time with my husband's grandparents, faithful saints in their mid-90s, whose lives are marred by health concerns and financial worry, and life is difficult for them. But every morning and every evening, they hold hands and they read scripture together. They pray and they thank God for the day. And they are at peace, even though they're quarantined in a senior living facility. And life is hard. But my husband's grandparents model for us lives of obedience, years of small things building up into big things that have provided for them a strong foundation on Jesus Christ that later in life is sustaining them when life has grown so difficult and so lonely. These daily practices of seeking God that are modeled so well by our grandparents um, are a way of checking in on your foundation to see if it's strong and to make sure it stays strong. Just because we've built the house doesn't mean the work is done for us. I find it fascinating that in Minnesota and Wisconsin, we have a lot of lakes, which means more shoreline than California, Florida, and Hawaii combined where erosion uh, can be a huge problem. When you've got lakes and water meeting land, erosion can be a problem. So I recently read in the Star Tribune about a house on the North Shore that uh, the shoreline was eroding so much that instead of trying to fix it, they just decided to abandon their home and built an entirely new home um, behind their first one, farther back from the shoreline because the, the erosion was just getting so bad. And according to um, 
the tips for purchasing and building on your shoreland property fact sheet that I found. It gives recommendations for property owners on lake-friendly development. To prevent erosion, it's recommended to have a healthy native plant community to protect the soil. Deep-rooted native plants growing in the water and the wet areas along the shore will protect the shorelines from ice and waves. It's not so much fun for swimming to have a bunch of plants growing where you want to swim, but it's great to protect your shoreline. And when you plant a lawn all the way up to the water, that kind of grass has a shallow root system that leaves the shoreline exposed to direct impact from waves, waves and ice, and that can erode your foundation. Restoring your shoreline with native plants that have a deep, extensive root system will minimize erosion. So did you catch that? Having a deep root system strengthens your foundation. So what's below the surface for you? As you look at your life, what's below the surface? What's your life built on? Is it a beautiful but shallow lawn of grass that looks nice but won't hold up over time? Or is it a deeper root system that grounds you so you're not, you, you're not knocked flat when the storms of life come? Because we know that they will come. The irony with all of this is that the storms of life are what help us discover what our foundation is built on. And it's never in a fun sort of way. Sometimes we don't find out until life gets hard and the stuff we thought was holding us up gets stripped away from our lives. A job is lost. People we love get sick or pass away. Friends let us down. The winds and the rains blew and beat against that house. The floods of life will come. The weather is a guarantee and the foundation is up to you. I'll be the first to admit it's really easy for me to build my foundation on other things. Living in America in 2020, it's often literally stuff that I am tempted to build my foundation on. Uh, roughly a quarter of Americans can't park a car in their garages because the garages are so full of stuff that we've accumulated and, and think we need. Uh, we can see how the pursuit of stuff and material, material possessions um, won't last. Um, you know, I love Target and Amazon Prime as much as anybody else, but I sure hope my life is built on something more than that. Um, or maybe we're tempted to focus on our, our image and simply how we're perceived by others. Uh, our family had um, the opportunity to take a vacation last summer and we walked the Brooklyn Bridge and we were shocked that we couldn't even get through because everybody was posing for selfies and trying to get the best angle for their Instagram. And it was such a bummer um, to see that. I just wanted to look at, look at the scenery. Or maybe we're tempted um, to just do anything to not look incompetent at our jobs or to appear vulnerable in front of our friends and family. Or maybe we don't wanna feel left out or show weakness or whatever it is for you. Maybe we wanna give the appearance that we have it all together. These are real pressures, these are legit. I understand and I struggle with these things too. I was watching a home improvement show lately and I was really entertained by um, this couple who was talking about what they wanted in their kitchen. Um, the man said, this small kitchen is fine, honey, because neither of us cook, so we don't need a big kitchen, the small one is fine. And the woman responded with, honey, I know I don't cook, but I want to have it look like I cook. 
So I need this big kitchen. So we build our foundations on all sorts of things that are, that are the equivalent of planting turf grass right up to the shoreline on your lakeside home. We know it won't sustain the weather that is bound to come, but it sure looks good. And everyone will tell you what a beautiful lawn you have, and that feels good. The struggle is real. I get it. In these difficult times, I'll be honest with you today in that I'm coming to you today a, a little bit discouraged. This COVID-19 pandemic is so hard, and there sure doesn't seem to be a quick fix for this. I lament the life our family used to have. I'm sad for schools, for children. I'm sad schools and churches are closed. I'm sad we can't see our parents or our grandparents. I'm so sorry for those who are sick and those we've lost, those who have lost jobs or are missing out on milestones. I lament the disproportionate cost our brothers and sisters of color and those in poverty are paying during this crisis. I lament the racism directed toward our Asian American and Asian brothers and sisters. I'm sad about the rhetoric and tone of some of our leaders and how that contributes to so much division. This list could go on, and you know it could. This world is a hard place right now. What's ironic about all of this is that trying times like this the situation we are in right this very moment is both a, chest, a chance to test our foundation to see what it's made of and also a chance to build up your foundation. Hard times come that strip away all you hold on to, even relationships, and you're forced to regroup and figure out what goes on or what grounds you when all of the rest of that is stripped away. Recently, I was reflecting on James's words in James one, two, where he says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Pure joy? Really? Okay. I thought, all right, I'll bite. What's joyful about this situation? Uh, so here's my list. I'll share it with you. Uh, first of all, my prayer life is awesome because it's all I've got left. Uh, <laughs> life is, is so hard and, and literally everything else has been stripped away. I am drawn to prayer and scripture and journaling like my life depends on it. It's like a hunger for it. And, and I'll be honest and tell you, it has not always been like that. And sometimes uh, prayer has felt like drudgery or that's something I should just check off my list. But in a time of struggle, it feels like life. In this time of stress and conflict, I'm drawn to, gra- to God's word like, like living water and the breath of life. And so I am joyful that this difficult time is drawing me closer to God. The second thing on my list is that this season of difficulty is helping me with my addiction to social media because I found it's just a difficult place and a, and a pretty divisive place. So I used to feel conflicted about scrolling through social media, even though I rarely post anything. And then I'd feel conflicted about time wasted and um, I just kind of don't want to go there right now. So I'm grateful for that. That is a prayer answered right now in this time of difficulty. Uh, The third thing on my list that I'm joyful for is that I have deepened um, some friendships with with some friends and family um, because we need to rely on each other for strength. Uh, We've been through hard stuff together and I would do um, anything for some of these people that have, especially those that have been there for me in this difficult time. Uh, I am I am grateful right now that this difficult season has has deepened some of these friendships right now. 
And the fourth thing on my list is that um, this extended time at home with my husband and my kids has encouraged my husband and I to reflect and take seriously our job as parents of as um, the primary faith shapers of our children in this time. Um, we're really reflecting on how we want to raise and disciple our kids. And, and we've always thought about this, but honestly, we've been just really busy. And now we're not very busy. And so we're thinking more deeply about what does it look like to bring faith into our home? So that's why I'm joyful. And I mean that. Uh, I, I really am able to find joy in this difficult situation. The situation that's both challenging my foundation and helping me build a, found, a strong foundation. Uh, if you tuned in today and you're feeling maybe a bit weary or discouraged or um, maybe fearful, angry, frustrated, sad, disoriented about this virus or anything else, I want to leave you with a word of hope. I want to remind us all that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who is faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will continue to be faithful, as God has promised Joshua, who is on the, the, the verge of a terrifying battle. God said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And if you, if you look at your Bible, which we as a church claim to be the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct, our Bible begins with, God created, and it ends with God wins. And this whole middle section is what's sort of murky. And it's this middle section where we find ourselves today. So as a community of faith, we are a group of people grounded on the word of God. We trust and rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, comfort, make clear. These are reliable things that can be trusted in this time. And so in all the things of this world that we've looked to for guidance and support let us down and are stripped away, even perhaps our communities, our health, other things, we know that God can be trusted. God is faithful. And as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And that is our firm foundation. That is the good news for today. Join me in prayer. Loving God, you are our firm foundation in this time. We know that the winds and the rains and the storms will come, but you are faithful and you are trustworthy. Lord, be with us today and going forward. Keep us dependent on you. Keep us grounded on you. We know you will not let us down. Thank you, Jesus, for leading and guiding us each and every step of the way. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.